Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater. I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. Uh, folks, we have a, a very special episode coming up for you here. Uh, since it is episode 93, we're going to be talking about the 1993 rosters for the Florida Marlins and the Colorado Rockies. Uh, before that, we're going to get to a uh, recap of the World Series, which just concluded last night with the Los Angeles Dodgers victory. Um, and in, in a short moment, we're going to be getting to our 1993 MLB debuts. But Jeremy, uh, I want to ask you if you saw a trailer uh, for the new movie that's going to be uh, coming out real soon. It's called Unstoppable 2. Did you, did you, did you ever see the first Unstoppable, Jeremy? Um, uh, no, it, it, I, no, it's, it's kind of like glomming onto all those just general action movies for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, so, so in, in the original unstoppable spoiler free, uh, it's basically Denzel Washington and Chris Pine, uh, play two like train, uh, you know, operators, conductors, uh, what have you, um, who somehow have to stop this unmanned, uh, train that's going at uh, 100, like 100 miles an hour. And, and Denzel Washington and Chris Pine have to like drive their own train and stop and try to stop this, this moving train, this unstoppable train. Uh, I think it's a, it's a Tony Scott film. Yeah, it's, it's one of the Scots. I think it's Tony Scott. I typically don't really, didn't really like his movies, but it's a great fil- film. It's, uh, it's really fun. I remember seeing it in theaters. Uh, it's, it's great. But so, so you, know, you know trailers these days, Jeremy, they say that they give away too much. But Unstoppable 2, it looks, it looks really good. They got both uh, Denzel and Chris, Chris Pine back. Uh, but instead of playing train conductors, now they're actually they're employed by MLB security. And their job is to uh, stop COVID-positive Justin Turner from getting on the field uh, after the Dodgers World Series victory. Um, and like I said, so this trailer, like I say, it, it gives away a little bit too much. Looks like it's going to be one of those movies where the bad guy wins. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be sort of like what was it, Little Big League, where the t- where the where the Mariners win instead of the Twins. So yeah, this it looks like uh, looks like Chris, you know, Chris Pre- uh, Pine and Denzel Washington. They were able to stop a, a 100 mile per hour train from you know from crashing into a town, but they they were seems like they're unable to stop Justin Turner from running on the field in this movie. That's just what I got from the trailer. But yeah, Unstoppable <laughs> two. Unstoppable too. It's Justin Turner instead of a train, and they they can't stop him. They can't stop him from going on the field. I mean, listen, you know, you got to be out there with your brothers. You know, you fought like <laughs> all year long, and you know, I can't. You can't hold me back. I got to be with my brothers. Like, I gotta. I don't care about COVID. I'm gonna kiss <laughs> the trophy, and I'm gonna cough on Dave Roberts, and but I gotta be there. And so, okay, cool. All right. Well, um. That's great. I I don't. Uh, if Tony Scott knew what he was getting into with with that, I can see why um, he uh, had his untimely demise that he did. <laughs> um, Google that one, folks. But yeah, um, yeah. Yikes. yikes. Well, Jeremy, it's not, uh, we're talking 1993 here. Uh, we'll get to the we'll get to the rosters for the Marlins and the Rockies later. But who do you have for the uh, 1993 MLB debut? Yeah, let's have a little fun here before we have to completely. <clears throat> 
like destroy baseball. <laughs> um, uh, my 93 guy, uh, Jack, is uh, Kevin Foster. Do you remember Kevin Foster, Jack? No, I actually don't. <laughs> okay, well, you're lucky. Um, he was a pitcher for the Cubs, um, just like a general like kind of bum pitcher for the Cubs in the 90s. Um, he, let's see, he only played, he, he was around for seven years. Um, he missed a whole year towards the end of his career, but he's with the Cubs for five years. And, um, I mean, the numbers are not good, um, at all. <laughs> kind of, kind of in 94, like he had maybe kind of a, a respectable year for like, maybe about like a, like for 13 starts basically. Uh, but he came back in 95 and I think was like a full-time starter and he gave up a league leading 32 homers. Uh, yeah, in only 167 starts. and two-thirds innings. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of what he's known for. Like, I mean, he led the league in something. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, but he had a 651 ERA that year. The next year, he started 17 games for the Cubs and had a 621 ERA. Um, and uh, and then he was still good enough to be on the team for, for the year after that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not good. Um, he had a career 456 ERA – or 465 ERA for the Cubs over five years. And um, I kind of – like, when I think about, like, Cubs futility of the 90s, like, I think – I kind of think of Kevin Foster. He's one of those guys. Yeah, you know, Jeremy, um, it's unusual, uh, like, I feel like for a Cubs player to lead the major leagues and home runs allowed – um, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you don't see that too often, you know, cause in April and May and, uh, you know, maybe at the end of September, it's kind of a, it's not, not the easiest park to hit home runs in just cause of how cold yeah. and windy it is. Um, so yeah, that, that's impressive. It's impressive that he was able to give up that many home runs. Um, I don't know if they were all in Wrigley, but yeah, even in, even in 1997, I mean, they, they'd had the guy for a while and he was like starting full time for them. He started 25 games in 1997. Um, yeah. I mean, they knew they knew what they had, and they were still they were still running him out there every day. Yeah, um, for four years. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks like he passed away, Jeremy. Uh, is that correct? It says it says died October eleventh, two thousand eight, at the age of thirty nine. Wow, look at that! I did not. I I mean, I'm, I'm sure I knew that at the time, but I had forgotten about that. I know that Frank Castillo passed away, who was also in that rotation around that time. Um, so uh yeah that's uh that's not good um my goodness yeah i don't know if this is some sort of setup to make me look bad now for trashing this guy but uh (laughs) you can't get me jack because i trashed two dead players uh in previous weeks so uh yeah and you you know you didn't you didn't directly trash tony scott but you brought it up so (laughs) i kind of trashed him a little bit um yeah a little bit (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> at least I'm consistent if nothing else folks so there you go that's all you can ask for um Jeremy my uh my 1993 debut uh it's it's got to be it's got to be Jeremy Burnitz nice yeah who actually played a year for the Cubs in 2005 his age yep. 36 season uh it was kind of a weird year for him he played 160 games in 2005 and hit 24 home runs so like once again uh, this like past his prime guy was an everyday player for the uh, for the Cubs, um, but uh, yeah, Jeremy Burnett's, um, You know, speaking of like futility, uh, like he, you know, when you think of '90s Brewers futility, I mean, he was one of the better players on the on those teams. But you know, he was on some some awful like he was the best player on an awful Brewers team uh, or awful Brewers teams, I should say, for most of the late '90s. Um, they acquired him in 1996 from the Indians. 
uh, they traded Kevin Seitzer for him, and that might have been the year Seitzer made the All-Star team. Uh, the Brewers originally drafted Burnitz in the uh, 1987 draft, but he uh, in the 24th round, but he chose to go to college, and then he was a first-round pick uh, by the New York Mets in 1990. Um, made his debut in '93, and he he did have some good years for the Brewers. Um, you know, for uh, for for four straight seasons, he uh, hit over 30 home runs, and uh, in three of those four seasons, he drove in over 100 runs. And then in 2004, at the age of 35, he went to Colorado. Uh, hit 37 homers, 110 RBIs, and he hit 283. I mean, most of those numbers can probably be attributed to Coors Field. But uh, he did have a pretty solid career overall. Uh, 315 home runs, not much of an average hitter. He had just a 253 average for his career. But yeah, he always just seemed like kind of a kind of just like a a big dumb like guy who could <laughs> hit a lot of home runs. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll attest to that. I I remember you know I I kind of I liked him that year with the Cubs. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting that he hit 258. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember him being, I mean, he played 160 games for the Cubs that year. Yeah. Like you said, so like, like, I mean, pretty, uh, he was like a, definitely a everyday guy kind of guy for that, that, that team. And somehow he stuck around for one more year after that, uh, with the, he, uh, the, the pirates. Yeah. He was, he really worked his way around the, uh, the NL central there. Um, one thing he was always famous for Jeremy he was one of those guys that would let go of his bat and like throw it, uh, just like throw it in the stands. Um, yeah, you re- you really had to watch out when uh, when Jeremy Burnitz was playing. Um, but yeah, he uh, you know I have kind of fond memories of the guy, even though uh, you know even though most of the teams he played on were uh, were god awful. Um, yeah, it's crazy looking at the end of his his career. He played on what one, two, three, four, five different teams in five different years. Uh, Mets, Dodgers, Rockies, Cubs, Pirates, um, but uh, and uh, you know, listen, uh, he's a Jeremy, but he spells his name crazily, as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've uh, uh, I've ever seen anybody spell Jeremy with an O. Um, no. I'm trying to think, but like you know, Jeremy Irons. I think he, uh, you know, I think he he spells his name with an E. I'm trying to think of other famous Jeremys. You know, one Ron is Jeremy. R- Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, what a blessed guy. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Jeremy, uh, it's like, you know, whenever I see people, John is my legal name, whenever I see people spell it J-O-N, uh, you know, I always I always think that they're doing it wrong, you know? Um, yeah, so, definitely. So I, uh, I, I feel you there. Um, nice. I, I, that Ron Jeremy reference, uh, that pleased me, Jeremy, because it, it gave me a chance <laughs> to reference Eric Estrada. You knew I would go there. You you knew <laughs> I, you knew right away. Yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't even necessarily teeing you up. I was just I was just throwing something out there. But I sometimes I forget that Ron Jeremy is uh, comes up at this point every other episode just by <laughs> the way of the Eric Estrada clip. So there you go. So yeah, <laughs> well. Uh, so so Jeremy, let's let's talk about uh, the World Series. Um, uh, yes. uh, so so Game Six. Uh, so funnily enough, you know, the Dodgers winning and breaking the 32 year, uh, world series drought was, uh, you know, that was supposed to be the big story. Um, but it obviously got overshadowed. I first want to say though, that like 32 years, that's not that long to not have won a world (laughs) series. You know, I mean, the Cubs went over a hundred, the Brewers have been around for 50 years. They've never been to a world series and they've only been to, or they've, I mean, they've never won a world series. They've only been to one. Uh, there's teams that have never been to the World Series, teams that have never won. Um, you know, it it's not like 
it's not that long. 32 years isn't that long. I guess it's a, I guess it's long for a market like L.A., but, like, yeah. I think that story was a little bit overblown, if you ask me. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that we had to hear it every goddamn year, uh, like, multiple times every year, every time the playoffs came around. I mean, I was, I'm sick of it. I'm glad that it's over. Uh, for I'll say for a, for a fan base who, like, you know, uh, you know, leaves games in the seventh inning, um, you know, I would say like two years is too long of a drought for, for, a, for, a, for a fan base that that's pa- that patient, you know. Um, but uh, I'm just, you know, I said it, I've said it in weeks prior, like this is the, the one good thing um, to come uh, of, of the Dodgers possibly winning is to finally put that narrative to rest, to put, to put to rest the whole stupid Clayton Kershaw narrative. Uh, I saw some tweets about that last night, so that was nice. But, uh, but hey, we're not talking about any of that stuff, are we, Jack? No, because it, it all it all got overshadowed by the fact that Justin Turner um, somehow tested positive for COVID in the eighth inning of the game uh, and was was removed from the game, uh, and then went out on the field afterward to celebrate with the team, and, and also had his mask off during parts of that celebration. Yeah. I um <clears throat> I just don't I I don't know where to begin, Jack. I just I'm tired of being angry about certain things, Jack. And so I'm trying like I just I, I couldn't I was like apoplectic, I believe is the right word, but I, like I just couldn't like I I just couldn't I was like gobsmacked, dumbfounded, speechless about like just watching this footage and checking Twitter and seeing these pictures of Justin Turner, Alana Rizzo, the the like reporter for like the Dodgers TV was saying like I'm so happy for Justin Turner he gets to finally celebrate with his teammates on the field I'm like are you crazy like <laughs> like what are you talking about and like uh, just like people like Ken Rosenthal today tweeted about uh you know like you know just he he had he tweeted his story from the Athletic about you know Justin Turner's decision to go back on the field and then if you read the replies on Twitter. Uh, to 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 that post, it's just it's fucking dis it's 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 just it's disheartening uh, about this country. Um, the Justin Turner, uh, like it, the Justin Turner thing in and of itself is a micro microcosm of this country right now, uh, and it's insane. I I don't want to keep harping on it because I just I don't want to. I, I like to get angry about stuff like Kevin Foster giving up. 32 homers like you know or however many homers like you know whatever 25 years ago or something uh it's like i'd much rather get angry about something like that than something like this um <laughs> it's just fucking insane um jack i'll say this i'm glad we we went on the record last week on in the uh, do you like him game about our thoughts about justin turner so we were at least ahead of this you know it's like hey if you doubt where we stand on where we fall on the side of this mask thing, just go back to episode number ninety-two, a little segment called "Do You Like Him?" <laughs> Dodgers, because <laughs> neither one of us liked the fucking guy. Yeah, we gotta we gotta do more of those, Jeremy. Although, like, we we shouldn't be patting ourselves back uh, on the back too much. I mean, if we play a game of "Do You Like Him?", like, let's face it, there's probably a ninety percent chance that we don't like that guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. But I will say though that uh, I wonder how many, because um, uh, you know there were there were family uh, on the field as well celebrating with the players. I wonder um, as as well as like MLB secure like security people, stadium people, um, reporters, uh, like so did all of them 
know that Justin Turner had tested positive um, for COVID? I would say probably. I would say probably not. You know, um, like I think I think uh, I read that like Tom Verducci like saw Justin Verlander, not Justin Verlander, Justin Turner like come back on the field and like he removed himself from the the situation. So it's like yeah. uh, you know. Justin Turner was probably putting people at risk who had no idea that he had tested positive for COVID. Um, mm-hmm. But even the people that were out there, like he, he, he was putting them at risk too. And then the Dodgers' responses were, uh, you know, were not great. Like Mookie Betts was like, nah, forget all that. Like, you know, he, he needs to be out here with us. And right. uh, like he literally said, forget all that. Um, right. You know, awesome. Clayton Kershaw was like, you know, yeah, nobody deserves to be out here more than him. Corey Seager was like, yeah, you know, like, I feel so bad for him that he's out there, like, you're, that, you know, that happened to him, like, he needs to, like, he, you know, he should be out here with us. Like, these guys, like, you know, none of, none of them, none of them were like, you know, maybe it would have been better if he had stayed back there. Not, nobody said that. Um, no, because they don't fucking get it. They just don't get it. Like, they think that they're, they're athletes, like, young athletes in their, like, physical, you know, sh- top shape, and, and, you know, they're like, yeah, like, I don't care about no COVID. We just got to have him out here and celebrate and get in the picture. I know that I'm being Madison Bumgarner right now. <laughs> he's not on the, that, this particular team, but I'm sure he would say that. But, like, I – um, it's – no. And this is – it's a situation – like, quite honestly, it's a situation where, where these guys need to be protected from themselves. Like, I get it. They want to be out there with him. They, like, care about him. He's a teammate. He helped them get to this point. He helped them win. I completely fucking get it. But, like, he can't be out there. And it's like I, I this is even stupid to be talking about, like as if there's like a counter argument to this. But like it's like we're not on like point counterpoint here. It's like <laughs> there's, there's just no other way around it. I mean, people are saying like, hey, well, you know, who cares? They were they were they've been quarantined around each other this long. Like, you know, if he got it, he probably spread it to them or whatever. And it's like that's not necessarily true. That's not really the point. And it's like there were totally people on the field who were not in that bubble. Like, I don't think that the photographers were in the bubble. I don't think, I don't think those cameramen were in the bubble. I, you know, I don't like, I don't know that for sure, but like there, there had to have been people who were not in the bubble with him. And again, I just don't know. Like, I also don't know like what the original plan was like considering that like the season was over at, after that moment, did they allow then like, cause like, okay, there was a story about uh, Brett Phillips and I know Brett Phillips wasn't out there, but when Brett Phillips, uh, after game four, he said, like, he couldn't see his wife because his wife just arrived at the bubble, mm-hmm. so he couldn't see her. So, like, maybe there were family members at the game who weren't in the bubble with the players, who but, but then were allowed on the field because they weren't going to go back to the bubble. They didn't have to maintain the sanctity of the bubble, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe those people were out there as well. It's very likely that they were. So, like, I don't – there's just so many, like, factors of it that are, like, fucked up to, to to negate the fact of people saying, like, oh, they had all been around each other for three weeks at this point. So, like, who cares if he went back out there with them? Like, it is just insane. And, like, I, I, I can't keep harping on that. Like, I can't harp on this because it's just – there's no point to, like, even – can like lay out these facts it's, it's all there for you just look at the tv i don't know yeah and you know speaking of that mlb has said they're now going to launch a full investigation into the yeah. into the matter but like you know wh- why do you why do you need to launch an investigation all all of the interested parties were there like justin yeah. turner was there 
Rob Manfred was there. You have like video evidence of the fact that he went back out on the field. MLB security was there and like they know what happened and they were by like people from the Dodgers, you know, uh, front office or whatever. Like they were all in the back in the clubhouse when Justin Turner decided to storm back onto the field. Like everyone was there. Like everyone knows what happened. There doesn't need to be an investigation. Right. Exactly. you know, I guess it's, you know, just a formality, but like that's, you know, it just the the language of it strikes me as dumb. Like I, he should be he should be suspended um for, you know, for you know, not for a whole season, but at least for a uh, for like part of the season because it was just it was just dumb and it was like reckless and it was just like a it was like a middle finger in the face of like uh everybody who's had to make a sacrifice uh yeah. because of this uh because of this pandemic. Well, Jack, I mean, listen, I I would have liked, liked to have gone to opening day this year. I would have liked to have seen some games. I would have liked to rip on White Sox fans with you in the stands. Like, there's plenty of things I would have, I would have liked to, like, do something for my birthday. Uh, like, you know, like, I, there's a lot of things that we have all, like, missed because of this quarantine. And it's like, that's kind of, that's the attitude that you have to have is like, well, I, I can't do it this year. Like, let's, let's stay safe and let's try to beat this thing. Um, but Justin Turner decided to, like, go and celebrate with his team and take his mask off and smile like like a fuck like this creepy smile. Like, I, I swear to God, like, the pictures of him on the field and, like, the, that team picture. I don't know, Jack, if you saw my tweet from earlier today, but I said, uh, I wonder when we look back at the Dodgers team photo with a maskless COVID positive Justin Turner will it be like the way people who went to school with John Wayne Gacy or Jeffrey Dahmer feel like when they look like at their old yearbooks. So, um, you know, it's like, it's creepy. It reminds me of like the picture in the shining where you see like, Oh, Jack Nicholson was Grady all along or whatever. It's like, Oh man, like that's fucked up. Uh, um, it's just, it's insane. Like just the sheer amount of people that like, like were out there and just, just the recklessness and selfishness and just insanity. Like, I, I don't know, but, um, it's not like he has any, uh, you know, role models. There's, it's not like, you know, people in higher offices were setting bad examples for him or anything. So who knows? <laughs> anyway, God damn it. Like, let's, let's, you know, maybe we can, I'll say this, I'll say this about, about everything. I obviously, so I was watching the post game and, um, FS one was the first one to announce it. Like, I had the Fox uh, Sports uh, post game on, and like you know, the game ended. They went to commercials. They came back, and um, Greg Burkhardt is that his name, the uh-huh. the host. He was like, uh, you know, we have a report that Justin Turner was pulled because he had a positive COVID test, and I was, you know, I was like, what? And like, I switched to MLB Network because I feel like they're kind of like the the post game of record, basically, and um, I, you know, I trust their they're reporting and usually they are not like they're not usually afraid to like go to cover things that are maybe a little controversial for MLB but I'll say this man I think that the the word was given I picked the wrong post game basically because I feel like the word was given to MLB network to not talk about this or mm-hmm. to not make a big deal about it whereas Fox Sports 1 had Ken Rosenthal on giving like the report of like the timeline of the positive test, the inconclusive test, the pulling him in the second inning, what like getting news in the second inning, all this stuff. He had like that net news and like MLB network is fucking kissing like Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw's asses collectively. And like, I'm like, God damn it. I and picked the just wrong not, damn just not, game. Just not, just not talking about the, uh, the COVID stuff basically is what you're saying. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, they just did it, it. It just like you wouldn't even know about it, like um, from from that uh, from that post game. So you know, I um, people were saying because I didn't see the post game show on on FS1. People were saying that like uh, when Greg Burkhart like announced it, he was real like solemn. Is that true? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so the best the best thing I saw, Jeremy, on the internet today was um, uh, somebody wrote. Uh, uh, you know, like in the real solemn, like Greg Burkhart way, like Justin Turner has tested positive for COVID and there's a long drive to left field by Castellanos, um, <laughs> which was like, you know, a Tom, a Tom Brenneman reference. Uh, yeah. and I, uh, I thought that was good. That, that made me laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, also the timing of it was curious. Um, you know, like, I don't think that like, it, the the fact that you know they they got a positive test result in the eighth inning doesn't make sense. There there's got to be a little bit more to the story. Um, you know you know I don't think there it it's you know worth it to even speculate on conspiracy theories. But it it is it is crazy to think that if the the Rays had come back and won that game, um, you know the team teams might have had to quarantine for at least like a week or two weeks. And possibly like not even had the same rosters as they went at it in Game Seven. So actually, from MLB's perspective, like they're they're damn lucky that the Dodgers were able to just win the series and they were able to get it over with. Because if they, you know, they wouldn't have been able to play today, um, and like the the whole Game Seven would have just been a been a mess. It would have turned into a fucking circus if uh, if the Dodgers hadn't pulled out that win. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, like. Yeah, I have no idea what what would have ended up there. Um, it's it's pretty crazy to think about. Um, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's just it's just insane. I I I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm well, kind of speechless. Well, um, I, I think if there's one, uh, like you know, you know who the one person is who's really glad that the that you know Justin Turner acted like a bonehead it was Kevin Cash. Yeah. Because uh, Kevin Cash, um, you know, it was officially he had only made the second worst decision of the night after, uh, you know, after Justin Turner did his thing. Um, and, you know, I got to I got to say, Jeremy, I was pretty frustrated when I saw Blake Snell come out of that game. I thought it was uh, I thought it was like a the perfect summary of like everything that's wrong with baseball in the year 2020, just with how things are with how things are done and pitchers are handled. Um, I thought it was a little much. I thought it was a little much to take Blake Snell out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, that I, I'll say this: the one thing, the one thing that MLB Network was was kind of reporting that no one else was, or like the what angle they were taking was that they were really um, driving home the point of like that that was an organizational decision and not Kevin Cash's decision. Like that was that came from like you know the GM or the president or whoever like the number crunchers are in the front office and. Um, no one else was really talking about that. They were saying like, Oh, you know, he was playing the numbers and he like, uh, had a, you know, he didn't want to, like he was, they were, they were basically saying what Kevin cash ultimately said. Like he didn't want to, he didn't want him to see the batters a third time and all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just kind of annoying. It's like, I think, I think there's a couple of things here. It's like, I, I don't think that this is like a complete indictment of like analytics because someone brought up a good point on Twitter that, that the Dodgers also use analytics and they won the world series. Um, <laughs> Kevin cash like took like a, 
what like a 28 million dollar payroll or whatever the friggin' like <laughs> payroll is like something crazy low and like um you know got them to game six of the world series use doing like what he does and like i just think like you know i i think that the ultimate happy medium of, of baseball is to to have that balance of analytics and gut feeling and um you know i just think you know they bring up the point like what were you saving snell for you know like he was never gonna pitch again so like just let him go out there i'm sure if you asked snell he would have said like i would have rather gave up those two runs than nick anderson like it's just it's it's an unfortunate move that kind of like marred the game and uh yeah, it, I think I think if anything, it makes the point of like there needs to be some sort of balance between the two things, like the gut feeling and the the analytics. Well, that's interesting, Jeremy. I hadn't heard that um, it was an organizational decision to to take Snell out there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's I think that's really interesting. I've you know I've read here and there about how like managers, um, you know, seem, sometimes now have less of a say than they yeah. used to in who they play and who pitches and, you know, how much they pitch and uh, whatnot. Or, you know, a lot of it, you know, now, too, is probably determined by, like, performance uh, bonuses and, and stuff like that. Uh, so that's interesting. So I guess maybe all of the fault doesn't lie with Kevin Cash. Um, but, you know, you also think, too, like, you know, hey, I don't like to stick up for Dusty Baker, but, like, would Dusty, would he take out Blake Snell in that situation? Um, you know, probably, heck no. Heck no, he wouldn't. You know, he'd, he'd let him go. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that there is, like you said, Jeremy, there should be a balance. But I think this is, um, and, you know, even though, yeah, they didn't want Snell facing uh, the lineup the third time through. Um, but, hey, everybody knows Mookie Betts could not hit left-handed pitching this year. Blake Snell had only given up two singles at the point that they had taken him out. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there, Jeremy, like, you just have to say, like, screw analytics, like, this guy's only thrown 73 pitches, he's, you know, this is as nasty as he's looked since his Cy Young year, um, you just gotta, you just gotta leave him in there, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, when your offense is not doing anything, I mean, like, we were texting back and forth last night, Jack, about the game, it's like, the offense was just driving me crazy, man, like, and all all series it was, and like, I'm glad I'm not that emotionally connected to the Rays. I do really like the Rays, but it's like to watch like Willie Adamas and like Yandy Diaz and Hunter Renfro and Austin Meadows and Mike Zunino and all these fucking guys like not getting any goddamn hits. It's like they, they can't, you can't beat the Dodgers, uh, let alone most teams with that kind of uh, offensive output. And like when, when that's happening and you can, it's clear that the, the, you know, the, the Rays were having trouble scoring last night too. It's like, yeah, you just got to ride, like, Snell as long as you can. And, like, yeah, it's just annoying. I think, like, uh, I actually think Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones is becoming, like, a, a guy who's like, – he's getting in my, like, good – you know, uh, like, on my good list uh, um, <laughs> with, with kind of, like, some of his recent thoughts. But he, like, tweeted, you know, he's like, you know, if I'm managing that team and someone tells me to pull him or something, it's like, fi- like I don't care about the numbers. Fire me. Like, I'm, I'm going with my gut or something uh-huh. like that. And, uh, oh, he, yeah, he, know, he, he said that? Okay. Yeah, like, he, the, the key to what he said there was, like, he's like, if I'm cash, like, fire me. Like, I'm not taking him out. Well, you know, uh, I mean, and Chipper Jones uh, seems like he's maybe, you know, I've, I've never really heard his announcing, but just kind of based on what I know about him and when he played and how long he played, he seems like he would be a guy who maybe favors, like, the old school a little mm-hmm. bit more over analytics. Um 
But yeah, it was uh, it was it was frustrating for sure. And um, you know, they went to a guy in Nick Anderson who uh, had allowed runs, and I think it was what six straight post game uh, post games um, I, or yeah, postseason that's games. What they said. Yeah, and, and he made it seven, which is an MLB record. Um, I'll say this, Jeremy, too. I, I'm tired of hearing about, like, MLB record for postseason stuff. Um, I mean, it's just – it's so meaningless because – I'm okay, so Randy Rosarena had 10 home runs in the postseason, which is really cool. But, like, you know, I feel like, I feel like you know, uh, 100 different records for, like, postseason games were set during this postseason – because you know the teams played like twenty postseason games, they so of course more games. Yeah. yeah, of course they're going to be setting records. There used to just be the World Series, and then after that, like there used to just be the the League Championship Series, and then the World Series. So like, there's more there's more playoff games than ever. So postseason records are 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 meaningless at this point. Of course they're going to set postseason records. Well, Jack, I mean, listen, Randy Rosarena hit more World Series home runs or postseason home runs than than Babe Ruth did in any single postseason. So, I mean, <laughs> you're trying to tell me that Babe Ruth is better than Randy Rosarena? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, which, Jeremy, I mean, uh, yeah, perhaps we should do another, uh, another like, <laughs> tournament of players and uh, Randy you know, Rosarena will beat up Babe Ruth. Yeah, we should do an updated version because Rosarena is number fifty six. I can't. I'm like trying to think who fifty six was. He might. Have, he maybe could have gone pretty far in the bracket with the, at that jersey number. I'll just <laughs> say that. <laughs> There's some food for thought there. Um, but uh, okay, so moving on with more of this this post game stuff, Jack. I just want to like make sure we we kind of cover this all. Um, there's a lot here actually to cover, but um, Rob Manfred uh, came out and like announced. I mean, the whole thing. Once you found out about the the Turner stuff, it just got really surreal uh, watching this post game because, um, like Manfred came out and then like I don't know who the hell this owner is for the Dodgers, but he looks like a goddamn English professor, and he came out and was reading this fucking boring ass like speech that he had pre written, and it's like, dude. I know you're you're from LA or you're in LA and you own the Dodgers, but this isn't the goddamn like Emmys or the or the Golden Globes. It's like we don't need a pre written speech here, you fucking stuffed shirt like English professor. Get the fuck out of here. That was a fucking snooze fest. Um and it was a real fuck it was a real bummer, and I'm not even a Dodgers fan, but it's like ugh, geez. Like like Snooze City, like come on, it's late. Like, let's get on with it. Um, so get that fucking dude out of there. But like Rob Manford came out and introduced um you know, he awarded the ceremony or the, the, you know, the trophy and whatnot. And, um, he was, he came out and he like, he got fucking booed bad. Um, and you know, there, the stadium is what, like 10%, uh, capacity. And like, he was getting like audibly booed and like, he was like frozen. Like he kind of stopped and like, like, like kind of like looked out and like, was like, you know, like when sideshow Bob, like, like in that episode of the Simpsons where he was like stepping on those rakes and then like he gets yeah. hits and he's like, he's, he goes like, like he like kind of grumbles to himself or whatever. It's like, that's what it's like. Kind of like, that's what Manfred did while he was getting booed. And I fucking loved it. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're a piece of shit. Um, you suck. You, you're in the owner's fucking pockets. You were fucking over the players. Uh, so yeah, I hope that you get fucking roundly booed the rest of your goddamn tenure as, um, uh, uh, commissioner, I do like a lot of like Jack Flaherty tweeted out a piece of metal, which you know is like quote piece of metal, which is what Manfred said about the World Series trophy when he was trying to justify you know not 
taking not uh, unseating the the Astros as World Series champs for 2017. Sure. Uh, so he was getting he was getting roasted, and they said when they interviewed, like uh, I think it was Verducci interviewed him uh, after the MVP ceremony. Um, he said, like you know, what are your thoughts about the Justin Turner thing? And one of the things that Manfred said is like, we're glad it's over. Like it's like we're we're glad the season is over. It's like okay, well, great, dude. You are a great salesman for Major League Baseball. Uh, um, so I'm glad he's like in the owner's pockets, but he might be killing the business by, you know, de- devaluing the World Series trophy and saying that they were just glad that the season was over. Um, but yeah, you know, Manfred Manfred is become like the ultimate villain of this of this season. I would say like it's really exposed him as like just a fucking shitty guy. Um, Dave Roberts, uh, gave a speech, um, uh, like his victory speech, like his, did you see video of that Jack? No, I I didn't, I didn't see the video of that. No. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Like, you know, I kind of make this, this knock on Dave Roberts that he's kind of just like a, he still thinks he's a player, like, like, you know, managing a team. Um, he's just, I think he feel like he still thinks of himself as like one of the 25 guys on the roster. He was like saying like, this one's for, uh, uh, he and he was like listing all these guys, like all these obscure guys. He was like, "Oh, who was the first guy he thanked?" But he was like, "This is for Rick Honeycutt. This is for Ross Stripling." And he's like naming all these guys who like were there. And it was cool. It was like it was cool that he was calling out these guys who couldn't celebrate with them. Like I guess I'm thinking maybe Rick Honeycutt maybe uh, opted out of the season. Yeah. Right well, Jeremy, I was wondering why Mark Pryor was their pitching coach, and it's got to be because Honeycutt uh, opted out. Oh. Um, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense now. Yeah, so I think Pryor was their bullpen coach. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. So, yeah, Rick Honeycutt opted out. So, the, he's like, I want to thank Rick Honeycutt. He's like, I want to thank Justin Turner. He's like, I want to thank Ross Stripling. Like, what is did Ross Stripling, like, what, did he just not make the playoff roster or something? I don't, know <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I... Like, yeah, you know, so in a way, it's kind of cool. Like, like a fan, like I feel like a that's how a man, like a ball player would think. He's like, oh man, strip, strippy isn't here, or whatever his, <laughs> you know, whatever his uh, stripper isn't here, <laughs> like you know, whatever his nickname is, like you know, they would they'd be like, oh man, let's do it for a stripper, you know, and <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, win, win, uh, win one for the stripper. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, baseball nicknames two point um, but uh, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of bizarre and kind of funny, and like uh, I'm trying to, to to squash my my dislike for Dave Roberts, uh, but uh, it's he's still not there yet. But uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. Well, yeah, I mean, Jeremy, you wouldn't hear Joe Madden thanking like Jason Hamill, you know, after uh, <laughs> after a, yeah. after the Cubs World Series victory, you know. Yeah, it's like we couldn't have done it without Chris Coglin and uh, Brian Mattis <laughs> and yeah, whoever else. Like, yeah, man. Um, I thought that was kind of funny, and so um, so yeah, so that happened, and then um, and to go back to that M- that MVP ceremony really quick. So then Rob Manfred came out, and then like they appeared in right field magically, and um, we're giving the ceremony there for uh for Corey Seager for MVP, and Manfred like. It was really weird. Like Manfred was like slurring his words like crazy, and people were like joking, like "Whoa, is Manfred drunk?" Like it's only been like five minutes, and like some people were like, "Is Manfred having a stroke?" And like mm-hmm. it, I felt a little weird, like kind of like kind of making fun of that right then because it literally seemed like he was having a stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking like this, and I want to so like give the award to 
Corey Seeger and like it was really weird. It's like David Lynchian or something. Um, someone yeah. brought up a good point that um, there may have been like a um, uh, an echo in his ear from uh, from like talking in the mic and hearing the speaker. And sure. um, I've I've kind of played around with like that kind of stuff before, like just in like like with sound recordings and like it does kind of mess with your mind. So that I'm I'm almost positive that that's why it happened. But it was it was very bizarre because uh, a minute ago he was talking like like fine, and then the next minute he was like slurring, and it was like it definitely sounded like he was like drunk or whatever. Like, but um, it was just another weird moment in a weird like like everything from like the moment that they announced. Uh, or even from the last out to like they went off the air was just kind of surreal. Like it was just a weird night, Jack. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, I guess, uh, I guess if nothing else, Jeremy, uh, like you said, um, you know, a couple of narratives were put to bed, which is nice. The Dodgers one, um, the Kershaw one, uh, it is kind of a shame that they didn't have to like earn that world series in a full season. Um, Uh, but hey, you know what? Every every team had to play by the same rules, uh, so I guess there's really no reason to put an asterisk next next to this. You know, if if every team had played by the same rules and uh, you know agreed agreed to those rules in the season, like uh, it's as it's as real as any other season. But well, uh, yeah, Jack, that actually brings me to my the next point I wanted to make was like actually in in some weird way. The fact that the Dodgers won this, the World Series for this year actually somewhat still legitimizes the season because they've clearly have been probably like arguably the best team in baseball over the last five years, you know, mm-hmm. and like it's like no one can really honestly say that the Dodgers were were not the are not are not a deserving like World Series champion, you know. Sure. So I I kind of am okay with that like uh in terms of like legitimacy and like yeah. playing 60 games you know I mean they so. they had the they had the best record by far in baseball I mean I think they won what like 43 games or something like that this year and I think the yeah. Rays won the Rays won 40 I think they were like 40 and 20 so I mean okay. you did have the two best teams going at it you know it's not like the Dodgers were playing uh I don't know the Blue Jays or some some team that probably didn't quite deserve to be there yeah, like a fluke team or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they beat, you know, not only did they win and not only did they have the best record, but they beat the team in the American League with, you know, the best record. Um, you know, even though that team couldn't hit for shit. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Another another guy, Jeremy Yoshi Yoshitsugo. That guy, uh-huh. for the Rays, that guy was fucking terrible, man. Like, uh, I guess that his numbers were fine and they were good in Japan. He was a home run hitter. But like that guy doesn't look like he knows what the hell he's doing uh, at the plate. I'm not sure he knew that, you know, the World Series is like, you know, the World Series. Like <laughs> he didn't seem too concerned. Like he didn't seem to realize that, like, oh, this is like something important. Yeah, those look so, like those look like spring training at bats that he was taking. It was just like. It was just it was it was uh, it was bad. Um, I will say, uh, you know, th- there was a couple guys. On the Rays that I, I do like, um, uh, Jiman Ch- Choi uh, was uh, he was br- he was briefly on the Brewers, but like he's like a likable guy. He's like a big mm-hmm. dude who can uh, you know who plays like really good defense, um, and you know he's a reliable left-handed bat. So like you know I, I like him. Brandon Lau had a had a good season, but like he was awful in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, it'll be, and you know, I, I like, I like Nick Anderson too, Jeremy. I think we saw him pitch a couple of times last year. 
for the Marlins because he was on the Marlins before the Rays, wasn't he? And they traded yep. for him. Yeah. Yeah. So like that guy's that guy's good, but he was just overused in the playoffs to the point where I think he was just he was just like too tired to you know to not give up runs. Um, but yeah, yeah I, you know the Rays had a couple guys I liked too. Uh, but, you know, they, they just seem completely overmatched uh, in the series, despite having the best record in the American League. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's fine. It's finally time that the Dodgers won one. So it may, have, may as well have been in this year when, uh, you know, people were a little bit less invested anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's just funny how it came down to the two best teams. Like, everyone was joking about, like, oh, what if the uh, – um, you know, Mar- Mariners and uh, whoever, like, you know, the Padres, even though the Padres were pretty good, but like, you know, whatever, if two fluky teams make it, uh, you know, like, what will that mean? And I thought that could be kind of funny, but yeah, in the end, the team who should have won, who could have arguably won the last five years, won this one. So, um, so yeah, uh, it's interesting. I also saw a tweet, Jack, from the, from the Rockies that said, like, congratulations to the rock they tweeted themselves and they're like congratulations to us for being the only team to beat the dodgers in a series this year like is that that's is that the only series that they lost all year wow that's pretty crazy i don't uh you know i i I guess if they tweeted it it's probably true um yeah and that's that's pretty insane to think that they never not only did they like never I i feel like it's hard to like avoid getting swept in a series like in a season but to to win almost every series you play uh, I mean, that's really impressive, even even if it is only a 60-game season. Yeah, for and, sure. Yeah, I guess, you know, what I don't get is that, like, it didn't seem like the Dodgers had more than two starting pitchers. Uh, I, I mean, I guess they were starting <laughs> Dustin May, um, and I didn't really look at what Gonsolin's stats were, but, like, you know, they, uh, and or, or Urias. Uh, was Urias in their starting rotation for the whole year? Uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that, Jack. Yeah. I don't think, because I actually don't think Gonsolin really even started I don't even know if Gonsolin was starting in the regular season. I think I think Stripling did start some games. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of who else started for them this year. Um, but well, yeah, well, I don't know. G- Gonsolin he does like cats. Oh yeah, right. There was that like that weird like video thing on on Fox. On the Fox yeah, Fox. where he was like meowing. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, I bet I bet he got some some shit for for that from his teammates. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would think so. I, I, I'm not sure about all that. <laughs> yeah, well, if if anything, Jeremy, I'm sure he got more crap than like uh, Justin Turner got for for walking on the field with uh, <laughs> yeah, with COVID. Exactly. That, that's just how the that's just how clubhouse culture in baseball seems to go. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, you know, speaking of Mark Pryor earlier, Jack, Mark Pryor has a World Series yeah. ring now. Um, that's yeah. another thing that I need to kind of like wrap my head around um but uh but yeah he's a world series champion um and he was the pitching coach of this team i guess so it's uh it's a little bit yeah uh, well hey jeremy i i brought up uh i brought up dusty baker earlier um you know questioning if he would have taken blake snell out he certainly wouldn't have taken mark Pryor out of that game or uh or any other game for that matter yeah, if I didn't see Mark Pryor in in the dugout during the series, I would have thought he was still on the Cubs mound um, in the <laughs> game six, uh, throwing pitches. But um, but yeah, so um, so there's that. Uh, I thought another kind of funny moment. Uh, I, I I you know, and and it's kind of something that got lost in the shuffle is like during the pileup, Jack. I saw uh, Matt Beatty like he's very noticeable because he has those weird like rec specs or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, he like 
I think he got hit. Like someone bumped into him during the uh, the ceremony, and it looked like he like grabbed his eye or something, or like maybe he was just grabbing his glasses. But it looked like he like got hit in the face and then like like went down. And uh, there's um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it was a uh, it was a it was a hairy moment there, but uh, it clearly all got overshadowed. Like I meant to, I didn't even go back to look at it to kind of Zapruder the film because of all this Justin Turner stuff. Sure. Uh, you know, I thought it was a funny moment. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, as far as game six goes, I think that's, I don't That's, those are, those are my thoughts for the most part. Um, I would say um, it's, yeah. Did you have anything else to say? Well, about I was just going to say, Jeremy, I had forgotten that Alex Wood was on the Dodgers roster, so it was good to it was it was good to see him. He pitched two great innings in Game Six. Uh, I feel like that was the first time I'd seen him in the whole playoffs. So yeah, good for uh, good for Alex Wood for uh, for still well, being there. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm and by the way, I'm sure he's probably started some games this year for the the Dodgers. I'm assuming, maybe not. Uh, but like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like the the Rays couldn't hit. They couldn't come back, or they couldn't like. Add some insurance runs on on Alex Wood. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I like the Rays, but it's like they should be ashamed of themselves. Like for just being so futile with the bats. Like you get to the World Series and then that happens. It's just it's disappointing. But um, the one game where the Rays did seem to like you know have it was Game Four. And like I think we would be remiss, Jack, if we if we wrapped up this World Series without just talking about Game Four a little bit. The ending of Game Four. Um, it was uh, crazy, and it's a shame that the Rays couldn't go on to win, so this play, so this game wouldn't have kind of stood out more. But I think in the long run, it'll kind of go down, like um, you know, is a bit of a forgotten thing, like in the long run. But uh, that end of the game with uh, on on last Saturday night with Brett Phillips was was just crazy. And um, Jack, I counted ten weird things about that that the circumstances of that of that play. Okay, do you have so, the list there? Yeah, I just wanted to run it down really quick. So, number one, the weird thing at all is that Justin or that uh, <clears throat> uh, Brett Phillips was on the roster, let alone got an at bat. Like, yeah, uh, I I would have definitely uh, had to wrap my head around Brett Phillips getting a uh, a World Series ring if in fact he would have gotten one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I you mentioned that you had seen Brett Phillips like enter a game probably for defense or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, him being on the roster was a surprise to me when he took that. No, you know what? The first time I saw him in the dugout was earlier in that game. It was when, uh, it might've been a Rosa Rayner. Yeah. Yeah. He had a home run and they showed Brett Phillips like cheering him on. And I was like, oh yeah, Brett, I guess Brett Phillips would be in their dugout, but he's probably not on the roster. And then, yeah. so the fact that he appeared in that game and got like a, a big, an at bat in a big situation. Yeah. That's, that was very strange for sure. Yeah. And then, so then the second weird thing is that he actually got a hit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, guy's probably hitting under 200 for his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, then the fact that like you had Bellinger um, n- unable to start in center field that game because he had like back spasms or something. So that uh, Chris Taylor was in center field to begin with. Um, yes, that that was a, a weird anomaly of that situation. And then, then of course, Chris Taylor then gets the ball and boots it. So mm-hmm. that that was a weird thing there. Uh, then the, he throws it in Max Muncy cuts the ball off, which maybe, you know, the ball didn't need to be cut off. That's, it's a judgment call there. It's kind of a tough call, but like, um, the fact that Max Muncy goes in and cuts it off is, is weird. Um, then, then his throw was, was not good. No, Um, it was to the wrong, the wrong side of the plate basically. Yeah. And like, he seemed to be all kind of twisted up and I, they said that part of it is because he saw that Randy Arozarena fell 
which is my next weird thing that he like just fell between third and and home and when you watch him falling it's just crazy like i know his helmet comes flying off and like i was like i was trying to see like did the helmet hit his foot and make him trip or did he just trip on his own um but obviously that was like a weird anomaly there um and then will smith like tries to get the ball and he whiffs on the ball um, again, you know, they were saying because he thought he was gonna have to make a snap, uh, catch and tag, right? But he he had a lot of time, but he just totally whiffed on it, uh, which is not good. Um, and then Kenley Jansen is not backing up the play. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was too busy, uh, you know, being down on his knees, pouting that he gave up the hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it hits the umpire, which you know, if it doesn't hit the umpire and Kenley Jansen is backing it up. I think they get a Rosarena. Um, I don't, I think like if Kenley Jansen did back it up and the umpire was where he was and it hit the umpire, I think they don't, they still don't get a Rosarena. But if that play happens without those weird oddities at the end there, I, I think that, and if Janley, if, if Jansen, uh, um, feels it cleanly, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say obviously with all these different variables, but it was certainly something that didn't go the way it was supposed to go. And, uh, yeah. So those are like, I think 10 things there that like, were like weird about that play. And I, um, you know, I was loving it, loving watching it and watch, I've watched it like a million times just to like get the breakdown, but, uh, it's a shame that it's going to just be a footnote in this series. But, um, uh, yeah, it definitely was worth, you know, commenting on for sure. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, uh, Dodger fans, um, I tried to like take the temperature on the internet um, the day after that game, and like Dodger fans uh, seem to mostly be mad at Kenley Jansen for all of that, like just for you know getting in that situation and then giving <laughs> up the hit on like because I think he had Brett Phillips down o two or at least he had two strikes on Brett Phillips on two pretty yeah. questionable strike calls, and yeah. then like the third one he just threw like ninety two miles an hour right down the middle um, so Dodger fans were mostly ticked off at Kenley Jansen, um, they like to say that like you know. Kenley Jansen, uh, you know, he either sucks as a closer or he pouts when he's, like, not used as the closer. Uh, Dodger fans don't like Kenley Jansen anymore. Let's just say that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, uh, I had texted you um, the next day, Jeremy, and, like, saying that, like, you know, if the Dodgers uh, win the series, like, everybody will forget about it. But, like, if the Dodgers lose the series, like, that play will end up going down in history as something everybody talks about. You know, like the Bill Buckner error. Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, occurred in a Game 6 of a World mm-hmm. Series. Uh, and yeah. then, like, they still had Game 7, and they could have, you know, they could have won. The Mets or the, the Red Sox still could have won, and they didn't. Um, yeah. Or, you know, the Bartman thing. Like, you know, would, would, people, would people still know who Steve Bartman is or be talking about it if uh, the Cubs had gone on to win that series against the Marlins in Game 7? Like, you know, probably not. It would have been, like, a crazy thing, but it would have been something that would have just been forgotten about. Um, uh, you know, just like this, just like this one, you know, and then, you know, like you said, it'll be a footnote. Um, it'll be something that like hardcore baseball fans will remember and look back on as like a crazy thing. But, um, ultimately it didn't really have much effect on the overall outcome of the series. And I, you know, I think it'll, it'll be largely forgotten by, uh, you know, by next year. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, maybe not by Brett Phillips, but, but, <laughs> well, but yeah. Brett Phillips became like a fan favorite after, after that happened. Um, yeah. like, I feel like everybody knows who Brett Phillips is now and like that, you know, he'll get on a roster next year because of that. Um, which is, which <laughs> yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah. Brett, Brett Maverick Phillips, uh, people, uh, <laughs> 
yeah, people people love him now, I guess. Uh, so I, he'll, I'm sure he'll resurface somewhere. He seems like a guy the Brewers might give another chance to at some point down the road. So so we'll see. He was a big prospect for a while, Jeremy. Yeah, no, for sure. I um uh, the year I got back into baseball card collecting, uh, he was he still had a lot of high hopes, and um, they uh, yeah, you know, he was a kind of a guy to get. I'm trying to think if I have any of his uh, autographs, but I do have like these like cards with like little pieces of his jersey and so as soon as that play happened i like ran to my box and like busted them out and i listed them on ebay like please <laughs> please buy my brett phillips jersey cards like i've been holding on to them just for this exact actually this exceeded any expectations i would have ever thought that I, i'd have and uh i'll tell you this jack uh four five days later um they're still available so. <laughs> all right so maybe uh maybe people weren't as fooled by that moment as i as i thought they were i guess not but i mean it's like what do i have to do to move these brett phillips cards please someone take them off my hands rain delay theater listeners please hit me up uh, i'll give you a good deal i gotta get i gotta move them jack um so yeah uh the only other the one last thing uh before we move on to our our topic almost an hour into this podcast was um after one of the games i don't remember if it was game um three or no it must have been um game five uh and i was watching mlb network post game and they they went to interview jock peterson and jack me and you uh were not did not hold back in our thoughts about jock peterson and his um you know intelligence level uh um they 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 put a headset on him and they went to interview him and like you could tell he he had that that look in his eyes like that that lost look on his face um and Uh for a normal person you would have been like oh i don't i don't think his microphone his headphones are working but for jack peterson he might have just been fully aware and that's just still what he looks like um (laughs) but like um they like Greg Amsinger started talking to him and then like he like turns to the side and uh Jack Peterson turns to the side and he's like I can't hear a thing and like <laughs> and like they're like oh okay well I guess he can't hear us and then like they they got they finally got him and then they asked him these questions and Harold Reynolds asked I, I wonder if there's a video of this because it's just it's it's fucking it's like it's brutal to watch but he Harold uh, Reynolds asks him a question and Jack Peterson is like oh and he's like rolling his eyes like i don't know man i i don't know like he asked him like you know like what were you looking at in this at bat or something or what did you think about the other pitchers he's like oh man i I don't know i don't know man Uh, you know i hadn't really thought about that one or something and (laughs) harold reynolds had to go like all right man i'm 0 for one that's okay that's okay i'll try the next one i'll try the next one but i'm 0 for one that's okay and then greg amsinger asked him a question he's like yeah man i don't really know like you know and it's like oh god this is fucking great tv um (laughs) harold Harold reynolds goes and asks him another question he and peterson's like yeah man i don't know i you know i wasn't thinking about whatever he's just like same question and harold reynolds (laughs) like all right man oh man he's like okay i gotta do better he's like i'm over two now i'm over (laughs) two and it's like it went on and then like he he has him like another question and peterson gave him somewhat of a fucking intelligible answer and Harold Ronald was like all right okay that's all right I'm one for three I'm one for three and then Peterson did have the wherewithal to be like hey that's Hall of Fame man that's Hall of Fame you know and he's like, yeah that's right you know that's the 330 like 333 I'm, I'm that's Hall of Fame numbers and it was just it was a fucking train wreck as any sort of Jack Peterson interview could be expected to be I'm like I'm like are these people putting him on TV to have him have these bonehead moments or are they actually expecting like a usable soundbite from this guy because 
if, if it's the latter, then these people need to be fired. These producers need to be fired and, you know, give us those jobs, Jack. Well, uh, Jeremy, at least uh, at least Harold Reynolds uh, turned it into a bit of a game. Like, at, at yeah. least they at least they acknowledged that that like he wasn't doing a good job with the interview. And, and by he, I mean, Jack Peterson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they tried to kind of poke fun at it a little bit. Um, that was awesome. I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I did see uh, they were interviewing Kershaw in the dugout during the game. I think it was game two, maybe. But there was a funny moment when, uh, like, I guess Roberts was going out to make a pitching change. And, like, the camera was on Kershaw, and Kershaw shot, saw it, and he was like, hey, they're making a pitching change. Do you want me to answer? Because, like, they had just asked him a oh, question, yeah. and they were like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can keep talking. So I was like, maybe Kershaw has a future in TV, you know? Like, he's got, yeah. the, uh, he's got, the, he's got the awareness level to, like, know that he, that he might, you know, get cut off. So he, he actually asked Joe Buck. So I was a, I was a little bit impressed by that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's a guy who is a, is on top of things, is, is, is somewhat intelligent. I mean, I guess he, you know, he's on the wrong side of history on the of the Justin Turner history, maybe, but uh, <laughs> won't hold that one against him. He's he's you know, but um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. Um, it, it's uh, just I don't know. I I wish that I could like embrace that sort of thing. You'd think that that would be something, Jack, that we would like 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 that would make us like the Dodgers, but. Quite honestly, I'm just like, get this fucking bonehead off of my TV. Like, <laughs> so, well, anyway. uh, yeah, Jeremy. Hopefully, hopefully you can find some video of that because I would, I would, <laughs> I would genuinely like to see that one. Yeah, it was a train wreck for sure, in the most uh, you know uh, truest sense of the words. Um, but all right, Jack, let's uh, let's move on to like 1993. Let's let's take all the way. Let's let's stroll down memory lane back to 1993, and let's talk about the Florida Marlins and the Colorado Rockies. Jack, the first thing I want to ask you about these teams is, um, like, were you um, were you tuned into like kind of like the culture of like like the starter jacket culture and like the, the oh yeah culture of like the merch of like you know Ro- uh, marlins and rockies merch basically sure I, I remember i remember starter jackets oh yeah yeah and so like you know i think like it was it was weird because like everyone like just like got on the like i wonder what the sales figures were like but like you know, I'll say this. I had a Marlins hat probably in 1993. Like I wanted one because I liked the color teal. I thought it was cool. Like maybe it was just like cool that there were just like a couple new, um, you know, logos and, and teams like team colors to like, you know, get. But like, yeah, you know, people were getting like people were wearing like Rockies and Marlins hats partially because they were new, partially because of the colors. Um, so I thought that was kind of like an interesting phenomenon. And I do have like, I did like, you know, when I was like kind of cleaning some stuff out of like my, my mom's house, like I found like my old Marlins hat and, uh, yeah, it was oh, nice. a cool, cool relic to find. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeremy, I, I absolutely remember starter jackets. Um, they were, they were all the rage, uh, when I was in elementary school, like if you, if you had a starter jacket, uh, you know, that was considered really cool. Um, I think yeah. I had like a, maybe a Charlotte Hornets starter, starter jacket or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I had a, but yeah, I had a so San Jose, I had a San Jose Sharks starter jacket. The, the one that was like all satin with just like the one like logo on like kind of like the left breast yeah. area. And like, I was afraid to wear it like growing up in Chicago. I was afraid to wear it cause I was afraid I was going to get jumped. So okay. my mom, my poor mom spent like, you know, $150 on that thing or something like in, you know, 1992. And I wore it, I think I wore it once and never again. 
<laughs> um, yeah, Jeremy. The, yeah, they were. Uh, you know, they were. They were pricey. They were. They were all the rage. And I wonder if they're still. Are they still around? Do you think? Um, you know, I feel like I may have seen something like pop up, like like in recent years. But I mean, there's no way that they're like at, in the same. Uh, you know, no, I would say probably no, because, you know, like, I don't, it's weird though. It's hard to imagine that of something like starter could ever go away. Cause they were so, uh, ubiquitous in like the early nineties, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, they were maybe, I guess maybe somebody, uh, somebody cashed out on that business. Um, <laughs> yeah, possibly. yeah, that, you know, you could talk to cause I feel like there's like, uh, you know, people who are like, uh, big fans of like nineties nostalgia, who weren't necessarily around in the nineties, um, just like, you know, younger kids, but like you could, you could, you could ask those kids about starter jackets and like, they wouldn't know what the fuck you were talking about. You know, like (laughs) if you, you know, if you grew up in the nineties, like you, you know what starter jackets are, um, and you know the significance. So yeah, that, that was actually, that's actually a nice trip down memory lane, Jeremy. But, um, yeah. And I think I may have had a Marlins hat when I was a kid too. Um, I feel like the Marlins was like the cooler one to get maybe just because they had the cooler, a cooler logo than the Rockies did at the time. Um, uh, but yeah, they were, they were a pretty bad team. Uh, and they, the Marlins actually, they played in a, in a real shitty ballpark too, Jeremy. Did you ever go to Joe Robbie stadium? No, no, never did. No, neither did I. Um, and was, did they play there all the way up until, uh, up until they got their new stadium? Um, Good lord, man! Uh, yes, I mean that yeah. sounds Im- like implausible, but like I, I'm trying to think of where they played right before. Yeah, I mean, I think they did. Yeah, that's crazy. And Joe Robbie Stadium still exists. Like the Dolphins still play there, right? I think I think they do. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was a terrible park to hit home runs in. Um, yeah, I mean uh, it was a football stadium, right? So like like those are never really those never really translate well to. Uh, to baseball usually so. no um they, they do not um and yeah florida especially in miami is i think a particularly bad uh, place to it always has been a bad place to hit home runs i just i think just because of how thick the air is there um yeah. but uh but yeah this uh this this roster has some real dogs on it jeremy <laughs> um yeah the Mar- by the way, the Marlins did play in t- in, in Joe Robbie, whatever. It, it, this is one of those stadiums that changed names a, a million times. It's actually sure. called Hard Rock Stadium now. Um, you know, because Hard Rock Cafe is such a booming, uh, <laughs> you know, eatery these days. Um, but they they played in there until 2011, and uh, I guess that's when the Marlins Park opened. Sure. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Like 2012. That was when they got like Mark Burley and Jose Reyes and uh, Ozzy Guillen as their manager and. And then it all felt like they got those guys for like the, you know, the opening year of that stadium. And then they, they traded all of them away. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Joe, Joe Robbie Stadium. So that, that was where the Marlins were playing. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, they had some awful players, Jeremy. Uh, but, yeah, let's, I, let's go through like the first two or three picks of the, okay. uh, the draft. The, uh, the Rockies were allowed to select first in the 1992 or the draft happened in November of 92. Um, the Rockies won a coin toss and they were allowed to select first. Uh, and each team, Jeremy, we should note, note this was allowed to protect 15 players on their 40 man roster. And, uh, everybody else I think was, uh, was fair game. Um, and out of all those players, the Colorado Rockies selected David need. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. 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 My God, he was the first, he was the first overall pick in the expansion draft. 
I do not, but they really must have seen something in that guy. Yeah, he was, um, I mean, like, I remember, I remember, I know enough to remember back then, and, like, he was, like, yeah, he was supposed to be, like, you know, um, I mean, whatever kind of, like, highly touted pitcher prospect there was, like, he was just, I think he was, like, the thing is, like, I don't think I knew anything about him until the Rockies took him, uh -huh. but, um, but, yeah, like, uh, he was, he was highly touted. Um, yeah, and his, and, his uh, minor league numbers are really good, too. It's like he's okay. got, like, a sub-three sub RA at A, double-A, and triple-A. Like, the dude was, he was kind of a stud, to be honest with you. Like, I understand why he would have been a top pitching prospect. Yeah, um, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to pull up, um, like, so he was drafted in, uh, in, he was drafted in 87. I mean, that, okay, so that's crazy. Like, so. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm, like, he he clearly wasn't, like, yeah, like, some sort of, like, hot shot pick. So maybe he was just, like, a guy who was, like, just ready to kind of – maybe his, like, per, his minor league reputation preceded him into the majors and – Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, he, it's weird, Jeremy. It looks like in, uh, like, in 91 in high A and double A, he had a 201 ERA in 170 innings. Then in triple A in 1992 – in 26 starts, he had a 284 ERA in 168 innings. And then in Atlanta, yeah. they brought him up at the end of the 92 season. And, you know, he started two games, appeared in six, had a 1.17 ERA in 23 innings. So, like, you know, he, he had pitched a little bit. Um, yeah, like you said, Jeremy, it didn't, he wasn't some, like, guy who, like, rushed his way through the minors. Um, but, yeah, he was, doing, he was doing pretty solid. He looked like he might turn into a solid prospect. I wonder, Jeremy, if anybody knew... That pitchers were going to struggle in Colorado before the Rockies started playing there. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't, I don't, I wasn't like tuned in enough to know that at the time, but uh, yeah, it became pretty clear, uh, quick, quick on that that was not going to be good. Um, you have to think no because it would be very negligent of the Rockies to pick a pitcher with their first pick. <laughs> uh, given that knowing that knowledge. So I, I couldn't imagine that be the case. I, I'm surprised. I did not know that David Car that David um, uh, need ever appeared on the Braves in the major leagues. That's interesting. I mean, so, okay. So now this kind of makes sense. Like if you think about the 92, 93 Braves, like they had no room for this fucking guy. No, they didn't. Um, I mean, you know, they had, that was when they had, yeah, Glavin, Smoltz. Um, did they have uh, Maddox at that point in 92? I or think, did they sign him I, in for 93? I think maybe his 93 was his first year, if okay. I remember correctly. But, uh, but yeah, still. Um, I, I don't Steve know if Avery. Steve... Was Steve Avery on the Braves at that point? Uh, let's see. i pull up the 93 uh, Braves here really quick. Um, yeah. Yeah, they were all there. Pete Smith was their fifth starter. So uh, maybe they could have used... Uh, uh, maybe sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Maybe they could have used David Need. Yeah, but uh, Maddox and Avery were both in the rotation at that point, yeah. Um, so so the number two pick overall, Jeremy, uh, it was this one was went to the uh, Marlins. And the Marlins picked another uh, curiosity. They picked uh -huh. a guy named Nigel Wilson. Yeah. Do, does that name have any significance to you, Jack? No, it doesn't. Does it have significance to you, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I see. Because I, I still like. I mean, I'm I. So what? So ninety three. I mean, okay. So I'm like twelve years old at this point. Like eleven, twelve years old, and like super into baseball and baseball cards. And I just, I remember, I, I just knew like he was, you know, a top pick. You know, I think in my mind, I didn't like, I didn't, I couldn't like, like separate the fact that 
a number one pick in a expansion draft is not the same as a number one pick in a in a college amateur draft. But um, uh, but you know, it was like, oh, the number one pick, this guy must be good. And it's like, I'm like, I feel like as a kid, I was like waiting. I'm like, okay, when uh, when am I gonna hear anything about Nigel Wilson? Up, <laughs> oh, nothing yet. Okay, all right. Well, I'm sure he's gonna be big at some point, and nothing, and okay. Um, for a while. I thought that Preston Wilson was maybe Nigel Wilson and he changed his name like <laughs> like and I'm like oh yeah maybe he just changed the, the for his first name and he is good but it's like no this guy never did anything man No no man he was uh, uh 3 for 35 in his career <laughs> <laughs> Yeah that's not that's not what you want that's not good No no I mean like what a complete waste of a number 1 overall pick I mean his minor league numbers were okay um, I mean, yeah, he, he looked like he was hitting for a little bit of power in the minor leagues. Um, you know, he 274, 292 average. So, like, he was, he was hitting a little bit in the minor leagues. But, it, again, it doesn't look like he was some, like, rip-roaring, uh, really good prospect uh, for the Blue Jays. I guess the year, the year they drafted him, he did 26 home runs in the minors. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, – I don't know, Jeremy. I guess, I guess they thought this guy was going to be good, but it just absolutely never panned out. Yeah, I mean, he kind of had, he kind of had like uh, 91, he had 27 stolen bases. I'm trying to think of like, he must have been like a five-tool player maybe. Consider, like, right. You know, his average was okay, so like maybe they thought this guy was going to yeah be something, but uh, I don't know, man, maybe uh, the the, the um, South Beach lifestyle uh, <laughs> got the better of him and he just couldn't focus on baseball. But yeah, um, you know, and then they, yeah, they could have got uh, Charlie Hayes there, who the Rockies ended up picking second. The, but so so this was a snake draft, Jack. Then so like the Marlins got picks number two and three. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that's well, what it, we, we we looked at the rundown. Like I think that's what they said they were allowed to do. Like right. Or did uh, it go yeah, I think so. Well, I'm yeah, because I'm looking here, Jeremy. So um, so yeah, let's see. Did uh, uh, so the the one I'm looking at it says that the next pick was from the rock was by the rockies is that true or is that was was jose martinez picked before charlie hayes okay. yeah no i i'm not sure that that's the only reason why it matters I, it doesn't ultimately matter um i thought that it, we said i thought that what i read it made it sound like it was like a snake draft but um but uh i mean who the hell is jose martinez is basically what my <laughs> well jeremy let's talk about charlie hayes for a second um yeah sure i know that the it seems like with that pick the rockies wanted somebody who could as they said as they say uh you know help them at the major league level right away um uh so yeah they got they got charlie hayes charlie hayes was on the brewers uh i remember he yeah he spent one season on the brewers in the year 2000 that was uh that was a depressing season. That was the extra season they had to spend playing in County Stadium because a uh, big blue, the crane, crashed on Miller Park. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I have uh, pretty vivid memories of, of Charlie Hayes, uh, for sure. Um, and he actually ended up having a good, a good year in Colorado in 93. He uh, led the league yeah. with, uh, with 45, 45 doubles, which is pretty solid. And it says that he is the father of Cabrian Hayes. I'm, yep. I'm looking up yep. here right now. Uh, who played in 2020? Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Brian Hayes is a guy who has been talked about for a while, and yeah, he finally made it to the majors this year. Uh, debuted against the Cubs, I think, and got his first hit and against the oh, Cubs. Oh wow. So, wow! Yeah, he's been he's been um, he's been coming up for a while. Um, but yeah, Charlie Hayes. Yeah, I mean, he made the last. I think he caught the last out for one of those like Yankees World Series wins, and um, yeah, I think uh, 
he had a good career. Yeah, I remember him on the Phillies and like kind of being a a tough he, tough hitter with the Phillies against the Cubs. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to back to your question though, Jeremy, um, uh, who is Jose Martinez? Because it sure as heck isn't. It's it's not the guy that the Cubs picked up who got no hits for them. <laughs> right. Uh, and you're not talking about Alec Mills. He's, he's a batter who got no hits. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, Jeremy, uh, it looks like he pitched one year for neither the Rockies nor the Marlins. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he pitched a a couple games in 1994 for San Diego Padres um, to pitch 12 innings in his whole career. Um, And, uh, yeah, uh, after that, after 94, he only played one more season in AAA, and then he was done. I mean, you know, three out of the first four picks in this draft, Jeremy, were just just complete, uh, complete nothings. That, that's what I was going to say, Jack. It's like, yeah, <laughs> of the first four picks, like only Charlie Hayes is any, did anything like notable at all, like even remotely notable in the major leagues. Well, here's a question I have for you, Jeremy. Um, uh, why, why wouldn't these, you know, these teams like pick uh, established major leaguers? I mean, I understand that they're, you know, teams are protecting 15 guys. But like, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be like some decent established major leaguers out there. Like, you know, they they shouldn't be trying to trying to pick prospects. I guess. Like, what 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 is the best strategy for an expansion draft? Do you think? Well, you know, I don't know. When they talk about like, <clears throat> when, when I think like when people try to say like who's the best player in the league, you know, they're like, who would you base your team around if you were starting from scratch? And they usually pick a, a like a young hotshot a young prospect or not a prospect but a young like star like sure um you know so like you know people right now would probably say acuna or tatis or whatever um but like obviously those guys aren't available in, in expansion drafts so like i guess you probably would err on the side of of youth but like i guess maybe because no one is expecting to win that first season you know so maybe you do like kind of just try to go with like i could see if these if these teams really thought david need was going to be like you know, maybe the next Glavin or or uh, Smoltz, rather, um, being a, a righty, um, you know, then maybe you do take him with the first pick. But, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's some definitely some guys, like, later on. I, I guess we, I don't want to – if we're going to talk about them later, I can I won't say their names now. But, like, there's definitely some guys that you would pick that were like, maybe more established and, de- and dependable. But, yeah, it, it seems like the the theory here was to kind of try to pick some kind of, like, young guy – to build your team around going forward, but uh, I, I, yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense, Jeremy. Um, I mean, yeah, like you, you figure the guys who went unprotected in the expansion draft, like you know, nobody's saying that they're going to build their team around Charlie Hayes. Yeah, because that you know that that's a that's a recipe for uh, well medi- mediocrity at best. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I suppose I suppose that makes sense to you know maybe take a flyer on these uh, on these prospects. Um, who were uh, at the time obviously on the forty man roster i would I would think um, yeah. so yeah that's uh that that's interesting um it's been so long since there's been an expansion draft that uh you know uh, you know the game has changed so much it would be interesting if the MLB ends up expanding again to thirty two teams or whatever if they have an expansion draft that would be fun um, yeah just to see who would be uh, yeah available and who they would go with yeah i know it, it would be cool i wish you can kind of simulate something like that um but um it would be hard to you'd have to like have like a computer pick a protected list and then kind of draft from that or something you know right right 
Um, so, Jeremy, we, we can start skipping, skipping around here. Um, uh, I'm one name that really stands out, um, uh, who was on the Marlins in 93, was uh, Trevor Hoffman. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I actually had no idea that he spent half a season on the Marlins. It looks like he was on the Marlins for half a year in 93, and then he got traded to the Padres. So that's, uh, that's pretty crazy that he was on the Marlins for a little uh-huh. while. Yeah, well, and and if you would have asked me, I was I'm surprised that it was only a half a year, because um, I I do remember that he he ended up on that Marlins team. Uh, only had two saves. Yeah, was not the closer of that team. Uh, Brian Harvey was the closer, who uh, also has a son in the majors right now, Hunter Harvey on the Orioles. Oh wow, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think if you you start running down the list, um, looking at the Marlins first, um, yeah, it's interesting. So I think what's interesting about the Marlins and what we can look at the Rockies when we get there is like the the Marlins had Benito Santiago and Gary Sheffield. Um, yeah. So clearly those were uh, two uh, um, free agent signings there. Um, they were. And, and Jeremy, another guy I want to point out on the uh, on the Marlins is uh, Arrestus Destrade. Uh huh. Um, he had a strange career. He uh he played like parts of four seasons, but uh yeah in uh but yeah so 1987 he played nine games 1988 he played 36 games, uh didn't play and again in the major leagues until 1993 when he played 153 games for the Marlins. Next year he played 39 games and he was done in the major leagues. Um so yeah he had that yeah. one year in 1993 where he was an everyday player played 153 games playing first base for the Marlins. Hit 20 homers and 87 RBIs. Hit 255. So like not great, but he was probably playing in a tough pitchers park for most of that time. Um, and yeah, he just never he like never did anything else except for that one year. One of those one of those kind of strange guys. Yeah, I Jack, I I remember Orestes Estrade um, mostly because I had his like like baseball card with the Pirates, and I was like I, I like to think that I was pretty good at like you know like pronouncing names or like being able to like figure out like how names yeah names are pronounced and yeah that one i was like nope (laughs) just don't know like it was uh it's just words that like letters together that i had never seen before um but uh but yeah like yeah it was interesting like to see him like kind of uh like have him resurface at some point he must have went to like overseas yeah i I was maybe yeah, I was thinking he must have gone to play in Japan or Korea or something like that to be to be yeah. gone for that long and then and then start up again. It's possible too that they signed. I'm, I'm sure they probably signed him as a free agent as well. Uh, so yeah, he was on that team. Co- Jeff Conine, Conine the Barbarian, was uh, was on it and played in 162 games for them in 1993. Yeah, um, and you know what, Jack? Just to backtrack really quick. Um, the the Marlins acquired. I, I totally forgot about this, but the Marlins acquired Gary Sheffield in a trade. Uh, for Trevor Hoffman and Jose Martinez um, and another guy. So that's, wow. that's, that's how uh, Hoffman left and Sheffield showed up. And, and the ill-fated uh, Jose Martinez uh, did not <laughs> last long with the uh, Marlins either. They just had to get him. Uh, the, the Padres did. So, so yeah, so that's an interesting footnote when you, when you kind of add all this stuff together. But, but yeah, um, yeah, so that's, that's interesting there. Um, yeah, Brett Barbary was on the team. Uh, yes, Jack, he was. um, you, you know, you might know Jillian Barbary, his short term wife, I guess. 
I don't. I don't know who Jillian Barbary is. You don't remember Jillian Barbary? She used to be. She was like the resident like weather babe on like the uh, Fox new Fox uh, like football pregame show. Like in like, was the she really two thousands? Yeah. Oh like, god. Like <clears throat> back in the days where um, was it James Brown was the guy who like was the anchor, and then it was like Terry Howie and Jimmy. Sure. And uh, Jillian Barbary was like she would give the weather. Uh, and she would wear like these like like skimpy dresses or whatever. Um, but uh, and she became a thing. Um, <clears throat> but it's like she was married. She married Brett Barbary and like took his name. But then they were like long divorced when she kind of got famous. But she kept okay. Brett Barbary's name for some reason. And uh, yeah, she, then she like ended up leaving the Fox thing and having she was on some like morning show or something. And. Yeah, she was a thing for a bit. I would say in like the uh, like kind of early two thousands, maybe like oh like okay, early two thousands. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, so Brett Barbary was married to her, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I mean, who knows, man? Maybe he just wasn't like successful enough to you know to keep her around. Um, well, as far now as far as look ba- at those numbers, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say when you look at those numbers, I guess I can see why they're not together anymore. Yeah, she just she happened to flip over one of his baseball cards and it was like, "Whoa, what the heck?" <laughs> um uh another guy, Jeremy, uh interestingly enough, it, who was on that team is Rick Renteria. Uh, <laughs> he sure was. Yeah, good old Ricky and I I like that uh I like that when they um, cuz I always remembered him as a player going by Rich Renteria and it says that he did yeah. that uh, uh, on his baseball reference, it says that he went by Rich Renteria. Uh, so I always, yeah. I always thought, like, I was like, is this the same guy? But, uh, yeah, it sure was. He was on well, the uh, 93 Marlins. Well, exactly. It's another one of the reasons why I can't take him as seriously as a, as a, as a coach, let alone a – or, like, a person, let alone a coach, is the guy doesn't even know what his name is. Like, <laughs> is it Rick Renteria or is it Rich Renteria? Like, how, like, like – it's almost as if he like forgot or something. Um, <laughs> so well, anyway, um, Jeremy, it, t- no, I, think I, was, I know what you're going to talk about. Go uh, ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say I didn't know this about Rick Renteria, but it says <laughs> that uh, on his um, on his baseball reference, it lists his nickname <laughs> as being secret weapon. <laughs> That's amazing. How did we never know? How did we never know that in the years oh, that he managed man. the White Sox, and we're just finding out about this now? That's a tragedy. Um, <laughs> well, again, Jack, again, it goes back to the, the fact that this guy has absolutely no, like, personality or charisma at all. It's like, how could you have that nickname and not have that precede you somehow? And it's like, how could they not work that into goddamn brewing with Ricky? It's like, uh, like, Ricky, like, hey, Ricky, we need you over here at Goose Island. Like, we, we need, you know, the beer just isn't popping right. We need the secret weapon. You know, we got to bring in the secret weapon. Like, <laughs> right there you have like a whole like story arc it's like but who would ever know that this guy's name was the secret weapon because all he does is sit there and smile like so like of course like yeah he probably has like he probably like his dad was probably like in the cia or something or like maybe who for all we know like he could have been one of the 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 people from uh, argo like the the iranian hostages or something but right. we would never know because who knows about this guy no um yeah what, whatever whatever reason it was that they called him the secret weapon uh it was not baseball related um <laughs> yeah exactly looking at looking at those numbers um i mean yeah maybe he was a secret weapon for the other team but like <laughs> his say, yeah. his best uh 
His best year was that 1993 season. He had 255 and 260 summit bats with two homers. But yeah, he was a, a you know he only played in uh, 184 games in his career. Like yeah, that that nickname doesn't make any damn sense. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about uh, Rick Secret wep- Weapon Renteria. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's something. I um, yeah. Well, how many more times can we kick a man? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, there there were some interesting pitchers on this team too. Well, first of all, yeah, we should mention that uh, a guy I talked about a couple weeks ago, Chuck Carr, was on that team. Um, yep. uh, Charlie Huff, uh, at age forty five, was their number one starter, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean uh, to the the just the sheer like oddity of of the Marlins like and their uniforms is no more evident than when you see like a forty five year old Charlie Huff pitching in florida wearing like this like bright vivid uh turquoise color and it's like what i could see man you know you think you talk about like these old school guys uh the brian mccann's and maybe the chipper Joneses. like what did these people think when they saw this old bastard charlie huff <laughs> like in florida pitching uh with this like neon like teal shirt and cap on it's like what what is going on here i'm sure the people said yeah, um, uh, there, like there's a classic baseball card of him, like in his ridiculous Marlins jersey, but he looks like a fucking, he just looks like an old man, um, which he was at that point. Uh, Charlie Huff had a really interesting career, Jeremy. He pitched from 1970 to 1994, uh, which, is, which is crazy. Um, and he only made one All Star team in that whole time that he was in the league. Uh, that was 19, 1986, his age 38 season. He made the all-star team that year. Um, yeah, interesting interesting pitcher. He seems like one of those guys whose career was, like, uh, you know, lengthened because of the fact that he, uh, you know, that he threw the knuckleball. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, drafted in 1966. I mean, you can probably do some crazy, uh, some crazy like, six degrees of, you know, Charlie mm-hmm. Huff with all the guys yeah. he played with. Uh, yeah, interesting. So, yeah, Charlie Huff was there uh, with the aforementioned Trevor Hoffman. Uh, it looks like Rob Nen pitched a little bit on that team too. Yep, which yep. is uh, which is kind of cool. Um, I always I always liked Rob Nen when he was uh, when he was pitching with the Giants. I always thought he was like a really good closer. Yep, uh, David Weathers, um, whose uh, son is Ryan Weathers, who debuted this year as well. Um, Jack, I don't know if we talked about that, but Ryan Weathers did debut in the in the playoffs with the Padres, and we saw him. Uh, uh, or maybe not. Maybe we weren't we weren't together. I saw him in South Bend last year. Um, they had a guy. They had this guy, Chris Carpenter, too, who like spells his name without the. You talk about John without the H. Well, this is Chris without the H, so it's just C R I S Carpenter, which is and, even um, even stranger, even yes, stranger. Um, it definitely was. I remember Chris Carpenter, Jack. He was on the Cardinals. He was like a submariner pitcher, or like definitely uh-huh. like an extreme sidearm pitcher. But yeah. that's another thing. That was another guy where it's like. When the other Chris Carpenter who was around, like the really good one on the on the Cardinals, I was like, "Is that the same Chris Carpenter that I remember?" And like, it was not. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's weird. And then even like the Cubs had a Chris Carpenter at some point too, like um, in the aughts, who like a prospect who never really materialized. I'm not even sure if he. I think he might have had a cup of coffee in the majors, but. But yeah, uh, Jack Armstrong was on the '90 Reds, I think, and he's he's on this team. Um, <clears throat> To go back to the batters really quick, Carl Everett was on the uh, uh, the team. Yes, he uh, was. Yeah. Um, is Dave he the Magadine. one? Is he the one, Jeremy, who doesn't believe in dinosaurs? D- 
That is correct, Jack. Yes. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, he. Yeah. He ended up being a good player. Perfect. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, he was also. Uh, he was also kind of a, a nut. Yes, he was absolutely, and he was on the '05 White Sox, if I remember correctly. Oh my God! Wow. So yeah, he he kind of got around as far as what teams he was on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Anything else to say about these uh, lowly Marlins in their well, first year? Well, Jeremy, I, I want to see who's... Uh, uh, and then also, they were managed by Jack McKeon, were they not? Um, not that year, I don't think. he. Um, it was uh, Renee Latchman who was... Ah, uh, okay, okay, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Jeremy, I think we should, uh, we should move on to the Rockies real quick. Let's do um, it. Yeah, uh, managed by Don Baylor. Uh, the, the late Don Baylor. Uh, they played in Mile yeah. High Stadium, so they also played in a football stadium. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. Whenever I think of the Rockies, I always think of them having always played in Coors Field. I, I think I knew that they played in Mile High Stadium, at least for the first you know year, couple of years that they were in existence. But uh, yeah, so they played in Mile High. Uh, they, they, they led the league. They led the National League in attendance, Jeremy, that year. Yeah, that is weird. I wonder if it's just because they had more capacity, but right. Um, yeah, they drew. Is, they drew four four point five million fans. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. That's a lot. About. Yeah. So I guess I guess Denver was ready for for baseball. Um, yeah. Uh, they finished only sixty seven and ninety five that year, so they were they were terrible. But uh, yeah, they had some interesting players. Uh, Joe Girardi, Jeremy was on that team. Yeah, he um, was. Um, uh, the tenth round pick of the uh, Rockies from the Cubs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Andres Galarraga, the big cat. I always liked Andres Galarraga. We haven't talked about him that much in on here, but he was uh, I, I, he was a guy I really liked when I was a kid. Uh, he was a really good player. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this their lineup does not look terribly bad. It's interesting. I didn't. I never really kind of took inventory of who were like the original Rockies, but like. Yeah, I mean, you got Bichette, Vinny Castilla, and Andres Galarraga, like the kind of, I guess they were like, you know, the original uh, Blake Street Bombers. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, like it's interesting to see the, those guys um, that they yeah, were on it, that inaugural team. Galarraga hit three seventy uh, in that, uh, that first season, which is crazy. I'd like to see what his splits were. Uh, Daryl Boston, uh, another, yeah. <laughs> another White Sox uh, mainstay, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably, still, probably still their first base coach. Uh, he was on that team. As well, um, I'm trying to. Oh man, they had a guy named Jayhawk Owens, uh, who I, I don't remember at all. Yeah, but, uh, I saw that he was a, a pick of theirs um, in the uh, expansion draft. Good Lord, Jack Dale Murphy was on this team. I knew that. I did know that Dale Murphy was on the '93 <laughs> Rockies, which is which is crazy. I mean, you want to talk wow. about being an old like old men? Uh, yeah, he was uh, actually he was only 37 at that point. Um, yeah. so he, you know, he wasn't terribly, terribly old, but, uh, yeah, Dale Murphy, um, you know, two-time MVP for the Braves, Dale Murphy was, was on that team. So that's, that's definitely a very weird one. Um, Eric Wedge, uh, yeah. future manager of the Indians, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was on this team and, uh, of the Wedge salad. <laughs> yeah, he can give uh, uh, Bobby, uh, uh, what's his face, a run for his money. Who, who, who was it that invented the rap? It was Bobby Valentine, yeah. <laughs> Bobby Valentine. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Eric, and also Eric Young Sr. was yeah. on that team. Future Cub. No, uh, only as Eric Young at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
I mean, yeah, they had some interesting pitchers, too. I want to see what their team ERA was. Oof, their team ERA was 541, so already uh, already that was a tough a tough pitcher's park. Um, yeah, Armando Reynoso, yeah, David Need pitched a little bit for them. Do you remember Kent Bottenfield, Jeremy? I do. He was a he was a kind of a, a pudgy guy. <laughs> yeah, was guy. he was he one of those pitchers who could hit? Oh, I, I don't um, know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Uh, I might be thinking of a different guy uh, who was who was also on the Rockies at some point. But uh, yeah, they had him. Kurt Kurt Laskanik, uh was on yeah. the team. I always remember Kurt Laskanik being a super <clears throat> weird guy. I think he pitched for the Brewers for a year or two. But I remember him oh, being yeah. a, a fucking weirdo. Okay, was he a lefty? Uh, he was. He was a righty, but he had okay. a he had a southpaw's like mentality. Um, okay. Yeah, he was on the he was on the two thousand the Brewers from two thousand to two thousand three. So yeah, he was uh, he Curtis was on some Liskanic. some bad uh, some bad some bad Brewers teams. But yeah, this this uh, roster is interesting to look at. Um, you know, they they weren't ready to contend. Oh, Bruce Ruffin was on this team as well. Yeah, um, former uh, Philly. A lot of yeah, a lot of names from the past. Anybody else standing out to you here, Jeremy? Yeah, a couple. Um, Andy Ashby. Um, oh yeah, is uh, Alan? Uh, well, um, yeah, I think he had a brother too. Um, he did. But, I think Alan Ashby, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think Andy Ashby is the one that I'm thinking of. But um, I got uh, yeah, when Andy Ashby was a rookie, I got his autograph um, at a Cubs game. Uh, there is this famous like famous for me. Um, <clears throat> Cubs game where I think I read in like the Beckett baseball card book or whatever that like if you're going to get autographs from a team it's it's better to get the road team to try uh-huh. to get the road team because obviously there's less fans trying to get their autographs so I like took that note and I went and I bought like I, I had tickets to like a Cubs I was a little kid I had my you know my my grandmother took me to like a Cubs Phillies game like in early April I want to say and um, I went to the store and I bought like the Phillies team set. Um, and I went there and I just I just freaking mopped up on autographs. Like, really? Got, like, tons of autographs from like the 1992 Phillies. Wow. Um, and one of them was I remember I got Andy Ashby because I, I almost want to say it was his major league debut and he pitched like really well. Um, but he didn't have a card in the team set. So I had him sign the scorecard. Um, I remember getting like Ricky Jordan. I got Wes uh, Chamberlain's autograph. Wow. Um, I want to say that I got Dale Murphy's autograph too, but I, I can't, I don't, I, that might've just been like a, a pie in the sky sort of thing, but like, I, or like a, a dream that I got that one. But like I did, I just, I, I cleaned up on autographs for the Phillies and I was just like, I think I was like, I just kept getting more and more autographs, like on like the 1992 upper deck team set. And I'm like, I can't believe this. This is crazy. And I kept like, Handing them back to like my grandmother to hold on to while I went and got more autographs. That was a that was a good note, Jeremy, by Beckett. Yeah, um, yeah totally. Do you still do, do you still have yeah. that scorecard and any of those no. autographs? No, oh, I think I think at some point I found like the West Chamberlain one because West Chamberlain was supposed to be like a good player and just never amounted to anything. But um, but yeah, I, that like so that was a big deal and I always remember Andy Ashby for that. Um, yeah, I think, I think I actually went back and looked and I think it, I did, I think it was his major league debut. Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, uh, Bruce Hurst was on this team, a 35 year old Bruce Hurst. So I guess he was there, you know, he, he was still 10 years younger than friggin' Charlie Huff at that point. But Bruce Hurst was like, uh, a star of the Red Sox of the eighties. And now he's like on the friggin' Rockies getting his, probably his brains beat. And he only started three games and he was probably like hey screw this I'm <laughs> to retire uh but yeah he was a padre too um <clears throat> uh they had the scott service who spelled it normal 
Norman. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Not the not the catcher Scott Service, the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um uh yeah, I'm trying to think uh that's kind of like the main ones that kind of stand out to me. Jeff Parrott was a a longtime relief pitcher um from the batters. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's kind of that's kind of who stands out to me, I'd say, of of all these guys. Well, uh, yeah, Jeremy, it, it was definitely interesting uh, looking back, uh, you know, on these teams. I will admit that I had forgotten that Gary Sheffield was uh, on the on the Marlins at any point. So, uh, yeah, it was yeah, a, sure. a nice a nice little exercise. And yeah, who knows? Maybe for episode ninety eight, we'll go over the expansion rosters for the uh, uh, the Diamondbacks and the uh, what was the other team? The Rays. The Rays. The, hey, the there you go. Rays. The Rays, right? Uh, how yeah. how could I have forgotten? Considering they were just in the World Series. Well, yeah, I mean, if as long as uh, Justin Turner doesn't uh, bust into, like, you know, I don't know, the Masters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which will be happening in November, or, like, uh, the Ice Capades or whatever, like, the, the Chinese, like, uh, League World Series, like, I think we probably should have the space to, to talk about that uh, come episode 98 in a few in a few weeks. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, this is a good list. Uh, Bryn Smith is another guy that I want to just shout out before we uh, – uh, leave. Bryn Smith was a, a pitcher, a red, a redheaded pitcher for the Expos um, in the uh, in the eighties, and somehow he was fucking toiling away at age thirty-seven on the on the expansion Rockies. These guys don't know when to hang it up, Jeremy. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, but I guess we do uh, because I think we should call it here, Jack. All um, right, sounds good. Yeah, so uh, a lot of a lot of content here to wrap up the season. Um, next, I think next week, Jack, we'll get into um, our over under picks. We've kind of been putting those off for a while now that now that the season is over. I think we have some time to catch up with that. So we'll go over that and uh, yeah, just kind of like look at uh, the free agent scene and stuff like that. That's going to start com- coming up now. Award season will be coming up soon. So uh, we'll we'll talk about all that off season stuff. The season is over, Jack. I'm kind of sad about it, but uh, I don't know. Uh, kind of a weird way for it to end but uh i guess we just got to move on for many reasons to 2021 yeah uh yeah i'll be looking forward to that but uh until next week when we get into our over-unders i'm jack swakowski and i'm jeremy dionisio and we'll see you next time